0: Hello and welcome to episode 17 of Footnotes and Fairy Tales with me, Damien Fox. The platform that hopes to showcase the people of Nuri and their stories. My guest today is someone that I've always had great admiration for. He's a former world-level amateur boxer. He has 10 Irish titles to his name. He competed in the 1994 Commonwealth Games in Canada. He competed in the 1996 Commonwealth Championships in South Africa, where he finished with a silver medal. He's immensely talented, and thankfully he's given back to the next generation as a boxing coach. I'm delighted to introduce to you today, Adrian Patterson. Hi, Adrian. Thanks very much for taking the time out this morning to talk to me.
1: No problem at all.
0: Um, I suppose anybody that knows you probably knows you best from your time spent in boxing and even more so now, perhaps, as, as a boxing coach. Um, I grew up relatively close to you. And yeah. Even from a very young age, I was able to see a level of commitment and dedication, you know, seeing you out on the roads, training, that I hadn't seen in anyone else. I mean, I probably wasn't too fully aware of what you were doing or, or trying to achieve. Um, but it certainly made an impression upon me. And that's why I wanted to talk to you, because I would imagine there's a generation of us that know about your time in boxing and what you achieve, but there's probably a generation now that maybe doesn't. And I thought it would be pretty cool to, to try and get that down. Um, yeah and accessible to people. Um, I wanted to first understand your introduction to boxing and how you got first
1: involved. Well, it was it was the Plough. Do you know where the bank is in your area? Yeah, yeah. The bank used to be a Republican club. So that um, years ago called the Plough. So it was, on, but it, it, it cater for all um, culture. So that at that time. And my father was heavily involved in, in the boxing, him and Neil O'Neill, um, and I, I got into it through him, so it At an age of eight, eight year old, we were in the play for about, I was in the play for about a year, and then it closed down, and then we moved to hasty Community Centre, and then from High Street Community Centre, Paddy McKeown and Tony Keeley were trying to get a boxing club, and mm-hmm. um, they we we actually went to Courtney's, the back of Courtney's, just like a at the very back of Courtney's pub. It was like a wee barn, there. we trained, yeah. our, we trained in there. We trained in there after the play. Then we went to High Heist, North High Community Centre. Then Bodyline over in Albert Street. Then we fancy got the Porty Cabin up and um, up in Shore Street, and that's where I done done most of my most of my boxing training. But my father, was, my fog got me involved in boxing. And is it something uh-huh. that you? Is it something that you enjoyed straight away? And I, I, to, to, to be to be honest, I, I did enjoy it straight away. Um, and I loved it up till <clears throat> the age of about fourteen. Then I got OCD, so it did, and sort of my my boxing training then. and so did um, <clears throat> I got OCD about religion. So it it affected me strong, strongly on my enjoyment of of the boxing at that time. And um, from from fifteen to about twenty four, boxing was enjoyable. i could have been a hell of a lot more enjoyable if I had it at the OCD. But I also enjoyed football. I enjoyed football more than boxing. To be fair, I really love football. <coughs> the school they have Abbey Grammar in in, in the Abbey Grammar School, and um, we played football. Me and Shane Mahon, Kami Yard, just with Henry we played football in that yard. So then it was very very enjoyable. And I really love. I just love playing football. Boxing was just. Bit more difficult of a sport to to enjoy, but I really enjoyed boxing up till the the stage of the OCD, and then after that, it just wasn't as enjoyable as it was before at the OCD.
0: Mm -hmm. And given that I suppose your greater love was football, it's I I suppose it's interesting to see that you still remained equally as committed to boxing, yeah, dedicated yourself to it. What would you exp- how would you explain that that even though you're probably your greater love is football that you still remain
1: incredibly dedicated to your craft because football faded, faded from me um, okay it, I love football more so as a child and probably the more enjoyment the enjoyment I got in football was uh, in the grammar Abbey Grammar school yard that that was my nucleus of my enjoyment for football then <clears throat> when I got older I was playing for Caribbean, it just wasn't as I had the passion for it as I had it when I got older mm. and then the, my passion for boxing sort of grew as, a, as a good older. Um, when I got older and I got more passionate for boxing as, as I got older as I got all my life and when I became a coach I got more passionate for boxing then and that that's my passion at the moment is coaching the young kids um, mm. like in my eyes with championship boxers um, with Irish champions We girl Irish champion pick for the Irish team and all well, most as important to me as a wee kid, that comes every night, that maybe or hasn't the biggest skill as an Irish champion, but they give mm-hmm. me their time and commitment, and the look of me. I'm not talk talking them. They're they're focused on me. I'm mm-hmm. even though they have the big skill set, but they're focused on me. I give them as much. To, they mean as much to me as an one of our Irish champions or Ulster champions is. So, uh, the, uh, kids, kids, the kids are great. They give you a lot of time and. and to listen to every word as soon as you speak, they're focused on you. Every word comes out of your mouth, and that is that's that's f- fantastic to see for any coach. The, when can the tell them. When we go
0: back to 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 you as as, as a kid, um, <clears throat> how how attentive and impressionable were you? I mean, when you were being trained. I mean, I, I seen that um, St Patrick's Boxing Club was founded in 1984. Like when you were. <laughs> I suppose under the guidance of Tony Hughes and Patty McEown, like were you equally as attentive and, and impressionable?
1: I I I was <clears throat> I was yes I, I Jimmy Jimmy McKeown as well Patty, Jimmy and Tony okay. <clears throat> I would have definitely would have listened every word he said and but I was focused I was a very strong-minded um, character when I was young because um, when I knew had the talent I, I, I didn't let it go to waste I focused on it and saying hard and. As you would have seen me yourself, um and Pat Amore, I would have worked for Pat Amore and I worked as a paper boy from twelve year old to eighteen year old. I've been in eighteen year old paper boys is does sit right with most boys. But the reason why I'd done that was for my fitness. I would seven days a week. Like, I was thinking I was running seven days a week and I fight them I would take a sick day. Mm-hmm. Um, so from twelve year old to eighteen year old, I was the reason why I done the paper run was to keep me fit. So was very, I was a very dedicated um um boxer. And like I would have run from from high speed to the burnish and stopping and shot it back three 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 around the top of the burnish and then back to high speed again. It was going up without stopping. Was, was you had to be strong-minded, mate.
0: Absolutely. Um, and how early on was it noticed that that you, you you had a particular talent? You know more so than perhaps any other
1: person. I, I and I, I'm a, I'm a right I, I'm right-handed on the safe ball where it should be an orthodox. So it wasn't picked up. When I went to the play, because it was massive crowds at the play, they came from all over Newry. So I just sort of fiddled about myself. And then mm. when I went to party, then, it was my dad and the others. There. So when I went to potty, they seemed sort of, I was natural sort of southpaw then, even though I should have been an orthodox. So my first fight I was beat, believe it or not. It was a Newry, my boy called Shane Rogers beat me. Um, my very first fight, but I still got it. And then it was when I came middle school, also level, I got the best box award in and my first year of boxing, and then I got the best boxer award in, in the All Ireland. So it was early on the first when I came to middle ulcers, um, I the talents seemed to be there, and then it just carried on then. Um, so when a, like a local talent like yourself discovered, and
0: you're you quite quickly picked then to, I guess represent maybe you know your province or your country, um. How, how is that training uh, catered to? I mean, it, are you still based solely in St. Patrick's Boxing Club in Europe yeah. or is there a high-performance place There's that you're problems.
1: taking off to? No, so, uh, as Paddy, Paddy Bourne says, uh, when you get older to a certain age, you've got it yourself. Okay. Your, your coaches are there to maintain you. When you come, when, when a, an elite boxer should go spotted around fifteen, sixteen, the they're elite boxers. They know what to train. You, you know yourself, but I need to train here if I ain't doing an hour and a half session, I know what to do during that hour and a half session. We were the same, but now now there is high performance groups for from twelve year old upwards and um, as development camps. but when I was boxing it was not you had to do it yourself, then you're getting coached the odd time in nineteen ninety, it would have been two training camps in, in Dublin, you would have been training with the actual senior team as well. And what have been doing all in the year, Nicholas Cruz, Hernandez, what have coached us, and um, so it was from when I was 16. Then I started going to camps. When you when you when you're sort of training all year round right now, different science is different. But when we are going to World Championships and European Championships, you're eight weeks out, ten weeks out. You're going into a training camp. You're training two or three times a day. Mm-hmm. So you were, and you had the proper physio. You know what I mean you yeah. do it. For the, physio. the physio's coming maybe. Twice a week now, to the degree boxers, I'm not saying, probably prima donnas. Every time they've a wee niggle, they're going to the physio. Um, so back back then, that you you had to wait for the physio to come to you. you would have come once or twice a week, and you're all queuing up. Sitting there, queuing up waiting for. I'm like, I'm like, so. It was different, but I, I wouldn't change anything about it. I I I love that 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 made the characters you are, and the great boxers will have like. They say he was with us, the pre-high-performance pre boxers or the post-high-performance boxers. It's hard to say. If if the pre-high-performance boxers um, had a high-performance dog, what well would they perform? Plus, with a, with a gold medal and a silver medal in nineteen ninety two, with William McCullough and, and Michael Carruth. And then, mm-hmm. you've, also, you've also got the great Paul Griffin. Like Jesus, he he was an exceptional talent. Eamon McGee, all, all pre-high-performance. Mm-hmm. Absolute, absolute, absolute exceptional talents. So
0: if you look at some of the people that you talked about uh, and, and growing up as a teenager and, and having decided to commit yourself to boxing, who were the role models for you? Niamh Sinclair. I
1: love I love Nief's only a year old, but I love watching boxing. I love watching Paul Griffin, Wayne McCullough. I fucking love them. Excuse me, my love Wayne McCullough. <laughs> Eamon McGee. Karif McGee, Eamon McGee, um, Wayne McCullough. They were all sort of the boys I looked my idols. I, I looked up all them. And uh, a baseball boxing and Eamon McGee and Paul Griffin. They were southpaws as a southpaw. And they had this big long range right hook, and I I, tell you, I mean, I wasn't too bad at throwing the right hook to get there. But a sort of my boxing, and when I actually ended up fighting Paul Griffin, and um, he beat me in 1994 in, in the All Ireland semi-finals. And he was your Europe, European champ, champ two years before that. Then, mm-hmm. but yeah, they, they were my sort of look up to guys um
0: if 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 we talk about the first time that and i have asked this of uh someone else that i talked to um it's one thing to be talented locally and you might get a certain level of confidence but when did you fight and realize quite quickly that there was levels to this game where you fought somebody that perhaps schooled you for want of a better word and you realized then quite quickly that you know i've still got a long way
1: to go in this game uh, the defining Era of refining years in your know, boxing is 15 16 year old. Okay, that's when you become the 15 year olds and 16. You're going to the 16 year old, that's the development stage where you 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 become a young man, and at that stage, you are you know it's very hard for, for us to get boxers past 16 years of age because they know the punching goes from all right to heavy, so you know it's at the 16 year old. Well, listen. If this is free, it's free. If it's not, it's not. But it was for me because I I had the talent.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I was getting hit harder, but all the same, I was for, I was very hard to hit. I'm not okay. Good. I was hard to hit because I moved a lot, and my style of boxing suited the the scoring system then. or one point, I, I scored one, one job, at one point, and I would move. So I was good on my feet. I'm not a bad dancer. All dancers are good boxers. You got that, or all good boxers are good dancers. So at that stage, then you know, if 16 year old, you know, whether or not it's for you or not. And that's when you know, you know, there's different stages. But was there a fight in
0: particular quite early on that you fought someone that maybe was a level above that, you know, I, I, I'm just curious to know, like, because, like, I talked to Michael Fox about running. He's a yeah. long, distance, uh, long distance runner, and he talked about, being at a relatively young age and, and being quite confident that he was, you know, he had the ability. But then he went to an event, I guess, in Belfast, where he learned quite quickly at that young age that I'm perhaps not quite as good as I thought I was. And I've obviously worked to do here. Was there a fight in your mind?
1: No. I, I realized that talent that wasn't, wasn't bad. When I went, 1990 it was just horrible. I was all the 14 guys, box number 15, we went to America. We beat the Americans in America. I was against our number one team. Mm-hmm. Then I realised I wasn't bad at it. So okay. it was, was boxing year above myself. And then from that year onwards onwards, then I was developed. Then sort of developed my career, sort of developing. Started developing then so did So fourteen year old sort of started realising, yeah, this this I have a career here. I'm, I'm not. i a bit of talent here. Then you go to the European Championships. Then you go, wow. European Championships from the sixteen, World Championships from the sixteen, European Championships and 17. Then you you realise, but that you're, you're getting to the elite, the elite yeah, sport. Yeah. That's when you come late. So that's when you sort of know. Well, I have have now. We let a couple of of go here. Well, it wasn't too far off. to be fair, so it wasn't.
0: I wanted to understand uh, because I understand that you you were a southpaw, um, and this is more for my own curiosity than anything. But do you do you have a, an advantage? As
1: a Yeah, same as the left footer. Mm-hmm. I mean, left footers are a few and far between. I, I, I used to have, have been orthodox, the side, but I say but everybody hated us. us. <laughs> hate every time I went spore to Mickey and Belfast, and Belfast, uh, I hated spore in them, but they hated spore. All the Belfast boxers hated, hated spore me, all the Dublin boxers hated spore me, because it's so fucking aggro tall and skinny, and I was yeah. awkward. But I could hit hard with my left hand. My left hand was my, was my weak hand, but I could hit hard with it. But it's just the uh, uh, southpaws are awkward. Just yeah, yeah.
0: Backers. <laughs> <laughs> so, having gone on then, performed at the European level and, and, and world level, what what was your first title fight, and and how did you find that experience?
1: My big fight was 95, 96 was my big my, my, my big title fight. I won come out at the Gaelic Games. Uh, it was an international tournament as a sixteen year old. Then I won the two big. Elite titles in 95-96 Then my biggest title was combat silver medal in South Africa. I boxed a boxer by called Philip Undo. He went on mm-hmm. to be world champion, I and mean, yes, he actually went on to fight fight me a while. So that was no one on my highest level of boxing. So it was in South Africa. Then I took I could beat the next year by a boy called Paul Conlon. Got a immersion his own pearl to have his own life. Okay. He he dropped me in the Oster Hall in front of three thousand people. I was winning the fight, so wasn't they just caught me, one of those things of boxing. Then it took a couple of years out. Then they come back, because I wanted to qualify for the Olympics. And I went, come back in 19, and 2000, won the all Ireland 2000. I was beating the Olympic qualifiers. That was me. I knew I was, my career over. Because um, I, I didn't I, I I wanted to one of those boys that didn't want to sit in the pub when he got older saying, I couldn't make the Olympics. I didn't make the Olympics i just didn't make that great and okay. I, i'm i'm accepting of that i was a world level boxer but it just you need to be certain pedigree to make the olympics to be fair it's 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 a top 30 in the world 32 in the world going to the olympics and um, I, I was unlucky in the fight i thought it was only the fight in my life and I thought of the bad decision i was lucky all my life that was just the lucky day of my life but at that stage my career was over i boxing career and then my, my own professional career and took, took, pretty since Um,
0: I'll come back to the, the Commonwealth Championships and stuff like that, but was it never a consideration that beyond the amateurs that you might turn
1: professional? Never. Never had a, n- never on my Never a my radar. Pro pro, fairly fr- pro boxing isn't, isn't an elusive career. Mm-hmm. People say, oh, he's a pro boxer. That doesn't mean deadly squad to me personally. Do you? But Freddie Flintoff is a pro boxer. KSA is a pro boxer. <laughs> it doesn't mean yeah. none. You get tone pro tomorrow morning, providing you're medically fit. There's no proceeds behind being a pro boxer. So it's only thing good to be KSA and Tommy Fury. Tommy Fury is a prize fighter. KSA got him maybe four million for that prize fight. Fight. Tommy Fury would never earn out in his life. But no, it wasn't. It wasn't on my radar because I knew there was no money in it. And
0: what age were you when you you? I, think, I guess it was in 2000 when you, you, you went to qualify and didn't. Um, what age were you then that you decided to call it a day? That was at 20, 25. And is that is that, like, where, where does that stand? I mean, is that typical at that age to think, if, if I don't do it at this age, it's just not
1: going to yeah. happen for me? Yeah, but or, like, for people are looking to get at that age. Okay. But a lot of kids do tone pro, but I've done a seminar at the moment, hopefully developing with the IABA a seminar, you call it Boxing to Employment. And getting the boxers' skill sets. What's your skill set here? Mm-hmm. So people could be a um, personal trainer, a dietitian, a physio. So develop a lot of skill, skill sets from being in amateur boxing that they could pass, that they keep for themselves, to they develop a career for themselves. Because they need a plan B. They need to go back there from if they if they make a pro if they go pro boxing. Like you look over the years, you name the people who made money in pro boxing: McGregor, like McCullough. Brian McGee, Eamon McGee, Steve Collins, Keely Taylor, Keely Fram, eight or nine people from the 19 yeah. up to date. It's 1% of our boxers don't make it as a pro boxer. Keely From as well would have made a few pounds. But no, but then we need to develop our educator boxers, our elite boxers going forward that pro boxing isn't all it seems to be and you just need to have a plan B your know, plan B is to the, develop the, the, the your skill set and take it into the into career for yourselves.
0: That's... That's admirable, and I guess it's if it's not already in place, it should be. I mean, you, you, you look at football, and that's something that they've been working on for quite some time. Um, for you, when, when you decided to call it a day, how, how did that decision sit with you? I was fine. Uh, I
1: had it in my head anyway, yeah. The Olympics, Olympics was my goal. Even if I hadn't made the Olympics, I was still calling it a day. Okay. And
0: that was- once that decision was made and those qualifications were over... Um, was it a case that you
1: literally just stopped, or did it taper off? It's far away for a couple of years, trained away for a couple of years, and then just went into went in the box and Went uh, burning the bolt over God of Mercy and the soul. Mm. Burning Q. I went Le Bosco. There ever since. Yeah.
0: Okay. If I could just go back, um, I understand that it. I think it was in uh,
1: was it '94 that
0: you competed in the Commonwealth Games.
1: Commonwealth Games, 1994. Beat, I was going to walk over in a first fight. Beat by Casey Potton in the second fight, it was sexy. stopped. I, was, I wasn't strong enough at the weight, and um, then that gave me a good experience for 1996. Was the Commonwealth Boxing Championships in the Commonwealth games? Then, two years later, the Commonwealth Boxing Championships they were just a separate championship. That's in South Africa then I went over to South Africa and won the first two fights, and then I got beaten in the final by it was actually the South African captain of the South African team. So I fought a South Africa and in South Africa, I fought in America and in America, I fought in Russia and in Russia. So I've been in the, the, the lands then a few t- few occasions.
0: Yeah. Um as it relates to your confidence, um, how confident were you going into any particular fight? And then in turn, having suffered a loss, how, how does that sit with you? Like how do you deal with loss?
1: You have to you have to loss can make you stronger. If you don't want me mm-hmm. lose and develop what uh, what you done wrong in the fight It should make you look what like you done wrong and, and develop whether or and not do it the next next occasion I was always confident, you're always nervous like when, when me wife fought McGregor he, he was nervous, all boxers are nervous no matter how, how good they are it's uh, so a performance on the day and you have that mm-hmm. strong mindset and I had a wee prayer, hands up, chin down, keep moving that was my wee prayer I was in the change rooms walking around together, and with that I was took my hands up, chin down and so hands up, chin down keep moving. And I knew if I stuck to that wee routine, uh, I had the difficult to beat and I always stuck to it. So every time I had the change rooms, when I shot it back to myself, I thought that wee mantra, hands up, chin down keep moving, hands up, chin down keep moving, going into the ring. That was my focus then, that, that calmed me down, because if I stick to this mantra, I'd be all right. And most of the cases it woke from me, well, so it did, most of the cases it woke from me. And
0: what was the goal? I mean, like I said, when I when I grew up around Church Street, I always seen you religiously running the roads. And I guess I, in any other sport, I've never seen someone with that level of commitment. But for you, what was the motivation then to dedicate yourself six days a week running the roads, the training? That was always the goal. Okay.
1: okay. Commonwealth Games and Olympics. I'm a Games. And what was that experience like? Fantastic. Jesus, It was many Olympics. It's, it was awesome. Canada... 18 years of age, on the award stage, opening ceremony, closing ceremony, the feather jets going over your head, it was fucking awesome. Seeing all John Regis and all the all the top athletes at the time all walking past you, your program it was fantastic. So it was still there's videos on YouTube and all, and there's photographs and still friends and some of the members off the, of the team. Yeah, it was just an awesome awesome experience. So it was,
0: and and when you look back in that, I mean that. For anyone, is a remarkable achievement just just to get there because I think it speaks to the to the standard that you were fighting at. But even now, like, how proud of yourself are you that you that
1: you, know, you, were you, only, you, only, you only sort of realise your achievements when you get to when you get older? Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm a good friend of Shane Mahan and we've talked to Shane a couple of times. But Shane's achieved so much in his life. Um, with with his football career, like he was telling me, which was amazing. Playing mm-hmm. reporter down there was him, Marty McGee, I think, um, Joey Cunningham and Robbie Casey going down the one jar. That's Fucking amazing! That's amazing. Like, so he realizes that when he when I realized you know, when he said that it was just some talent the yard. You realize when you get older, mm-hmm. you know what you've done, and I've ten Irish titles, so I have an um, it's difficult to get one Irish title with my current squad, even in the down team. We've only got last year. We did four. We did four Irish titles between the squad we got there. So it's, it's 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 I'm quite proud of it now when I look back on it. So and if our coach is ten or boxers, he's ten times Irish champion. It makes you feel proud as well, man. Yeah.
0: I suppose it, it's an added bonus for those that you're coaching that they, they have access to someone with that experience. Yeah, um, not everyone I would imagine has that. Um, when we look at your first Irish title, was that
1: 1995? Jesus no, I'm first senior title. Before Irish title was 1987. First senior title was 95. The big one that was the, the equivalent of the Sam McGuire boxing terms. It was 95, 96, and then 2000 was the three big ones. Then so yeah. it was a remarkable achievements when you look back on them because you know, there's no one in your who's done that yet.
0: Um. I was reading about Olympic level boxers and obviously if you've Michael Carruth, I think in 92, you Wayne McCullough, Katie Taylor, Michael Conlon. Um, and there's obviously, there's obviously many more that you could name, but I think the total number of medals gained in Olympic boxing outweighs the number of Olympic medals achieved in all other collective Irish yes. sports. What would you attribute that to? Like, why are we so successful in boxing and what is ultimately our, our, our interest in it? Why are we so good? I think it's
1: just in us. I think it's just uh, the name, fighting ours. <laughs> I think it's just, it's in us. And um, talent breeds talent. Mm-hmm. And so those, our boxers are continuously developing over the years. And the, the last Commonwealth games was absolutely fantastic, the biggest medal hall ever. So as i success, success Um, success, and our boxers are watching our, our senior boxers and following our footsteps. And that's always going to weigh the way, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I always remember Paddy Keelty talking about um, a particular Olympics where the Irish achieved, I think it was a gold medal in, in rifle shooting. And of course, <laughs> given, yeah. our, given our history, it's no surprise we're so good at it. Um, if we talk about some of the things that, that we now have available to us in, in modern day sport and that weren't available to you when you were um, performing. I mean, if we talk in particular about sports psychology, um, what do you think has been gained and ultimately, what, if anything, would have been lost by your generation not having access to, to, to those elements of the modern day game? It's hard
1: to say hindsight. It's hard it yeah. is. It's definitely hard to say in hindsight. Could we have been better? Possibly we could have been better. Um, But the, if we had a field of them, we we, the, the current the, the ones who got medals maybe could have got bigger medals, but the ones who never got medals could have got, got medals. Um, and I say it would have helped, definitely would have helped the, the, the science behind us and the blood tests behind us and the psychology behind us. We would have been more successful, I think, as you know. I, sp- I
0: suppose what I'm trying to understand is like, how formidable were you uh, up here and would there have been anything gained by having a sports psychologist? I, I, would,
1: I would enjoy the sports psychologist before, given the OCD that I had. I, I would okay. benefit from the, from the sports psychologist. Definitely would have helped would have, would have me. Um, cause sometimes my my energy was focused on OCD as opposed to boxing, especially as I boxed the reins, I could have been focused on OCD as opposed to boxing. And it, uh, it distracted me from... What I should have been focused on, instead of been one hundred percent focused on my job on, on my boxing, I could have been maybe some box, some offense could have been maybe seventy percent focused on boxing and thirty percent UCD could have talked over them. Hmm.
0: Um. I actually prior
1: to talking, can, to I, you today, can, I, can I walk? Can I walk and talk?
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah, go ahead. I also before I talk to you today, I, I remember I went online and found an interview. as part of the Respect Project. The young girl interviewed. You. Yes. Young. Um, young girl. Yeah, and I guess one of the questions was similar um, in what's available to sports now, and perhaps wasn't available to you guys. Like, if we look at nutrition, how did you how did you manage that,
1: or, or what was that I'll, like for you? I tell you what I've done with, with nutrition. When I was younger, you, you just sort of watched your own dad, and you just worked to yourself. And like your coaches don't want to too much, but you need not to eat crisps or sweets or anything. like that. But when I get when I get onto the senior level. When we became senior level. I was stuck with my that. because everybody's always tight on their weight, right? Yeah. When we came into the, the elite level. I had to have a, I had a, I had to have had a dolce Fita kebab once a week. <laughs> <laughs> it was it. and I was tight on my weight. But I had to get the for even for for your mental health, and you're struggling all week with weight and watching your watching your your food. The dolce Fita donut kebab. Was I had I had it one left
0: every week. <laughs> and if we talk if we talk about the the weight cut, I mean, how difficult
1: were those experiences? That's what well, Paddy Barnes probably hates boxing. Well, he he, he hated one of the worst parts of boxing was his was his um, was his weight. Everybody says there's an interview done by the BBC. He goes, "Who's the grumpiest person in boxing?" And, and the English team, the Irish team <laughs> <he goes>, Paddy <laughs> Barnes. <laughs> making his weight it's very difficult yeah one of the hardest parts of boxing is that it's cut is making the weight and the second part the easiest part of boxing is actually fighting in the ring is the, the easiest part of boxing the hardest part of boxing is the weight the training but the most difficult part of boxing is the changing room seeing you're okay. not changing room and you're 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 there in the changing room um you're thinking the worst of things in the world. This boy's going to beat me. This boy's got three arms. He's six muscles <laughs> in each arm. He's yeah. like, Popeye.
0: Yeah. And
1: all the could do the same things in their own heads. They got there. And I'm going to ourselves, but you don't think... Your opponent's thinking the same things as we're thinking. They got there. But you, you, you have the hard, boxing difficulties are training weight. And then, to me, I see a lot of boxers... Change, change rooms, or waiting in the change room. Then the easy part comes when the bell goes. Then all the worries out the window, you're just focusing on one job. Then,
0: yeah. and I, I, I suppose with regard to weight, you, you ultimately fought in the beginning of featherweight but made the decision to move to lightweight. What was that? Yeah, what was the motivation behind that decision?
1: Because I couldn't make that no more. <laughs> it's just, I just couldn't make it. I was two years out, so I had a two years out. And I put a bit of weight on, but as I'm saying, that's one of my proud moments as well. Winning the elite, obviously the the elite title, which is the equivalent the boxing equivalent of the Sam McGuire in Gaelic terms, um, win them at different weights, two different weights is quite special as well, which is one of my proud things as well. I've won two at far weight and one at, one at lightweight.
0: Yeah, I mean you've enjoyed incredible success. I wanted to understand, and I, uh, this has to be different for for each boxer, but um. Is the is the payoff um, worth the investment? Like when when you invest, I don't know, maybe twelve weeks, fourteen weeks into a camp for a thirty six minute or whatever it might be, a victory. Is the is the payoff worth the investment?
1: Yes, most definitely. Especially when you when when I had this success that I had, and griffin am grateful God for it. It definitely is. Yeah, most definitely. Same as Same same as. Windmill stars winning winning the the Caribbean League. They did train yeah. three or four times a week to get there. And I, I Clearly like, winning the the, 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 the Caribbean League. It, it's definitely worth even though to be fair boxing's a lot more difficult to training and more more difficult but the, the rewards you definitely benefit with the rewards and it's definitely well worth it. Especially see the the pride the pride in your dad and your in your mummy and your bra and, and my wife. Um my wife's been with me since we were fourteen when we. So she's been through all my career with me. We we're two of us were fourteen, and when we, we, we met each other, and we we're each are now forty-seven. We're two we of us are forty-seven now. So to see, to see the um the joy on all our faces is, is fantastic. And I'm a wee boy now, growing up. He's in the box club now. now he's beginning to realise the, the stuff that I want as well, which makes me proud as well.
0: Yeah, um, if we could talk about um some of the lows that you experienced. What are some of the low points? Like, what are the, some of the more difficult things that you had to overcome?
1: Low points. that I could beat the Neil Stahaw was the low points in my career. OCD was a big, big thing. Um, I never overcame it until the recent years. It sort of hampered me as well, but stuff tough, tough Tough being away from home. Been away from your parents and their girlfriend and been in camps for eight weeks and it's lonely it, it becomes a lonely place and depression could kick in but thankfully the uh, uh, president never kicked in I mean, it was always a happy type of guy and I uh, always found found uh good friends good friends and found time with my friends and um, in the boxing fraternity we're still good friends now but training camps are hard so there were um, could be a low point at times so and other boxes probably tell you the same because you're by yourself, you're lonely, you have no access to this, no social media, no phone, you're, you're on a, one of those dial phone calls, put 10p in, no 50 the to phone somebody Um, so it was, it, it was more lonelier then because you hadn't access to well, what all people have access to, now it was social media and f- f- um, camcorder or video phones etc. But yes, and then getting, getting knocked out in the Ulster Hall, it, it, it was a low point for me as well. But I picked myself back up. I went to Austria but the Ulster team the next year, then I took two years out, then I come back and won the Irish title. So that, that would have been one of my low points. Yeah. I,
0: I also seen that in 1996, um, you weren't able to even go to the Olympic qualifiers. Um I think that was due to injury.
1: Sorry, yes, that's an low point. That was one of my low points as well. I was in training camp when I come out, fell in Lindsay Hill, and then I what do you call it, um, I couldn't go to the Olympics. Limbic qualifiers, it was Limbic qualifiers. i sort of half glad because the boy, instead of me, he actually threw the worst draw of all time, he boxed a boy called Sarov and Todorov in Bulgaria. He was face times world champion, which means I would have fought. <laughs> <laughs> sort of
0: half glad. Yeah, you dodged. You that, dodged was, the... that, that,
1: was, that, that was a low point, yeah. Um,
0: and then if I go on, i seen that again in, um, was it, I think it was in 2000 in Liverpool. Um, I think yep. you, were the, you were at the wrong end of a judge's decision.
1: That was, that was... I said that earlier on. I hate talking about robberies. I never got robbed in my life. But that was a bad decision because it was in the boxing news. It was a monthly magazine. It was the first bad decision of the tournament, Adrian Patterson. And when I was walking across the road, I remember walking across the road um, after the fight and tears in my eyes. My eyes were still red. And the German team was there. And... um. The German team was there and they say, um, the German coach looked at me and goes, he goes, you Irish boxer? And he goes, yeah, and I just and got, just nodded his head. It was terrible terrible season. And he goes, I guess, so it was my only bad season in my life it was in the biggest fight of my life was the Olympic qualifiers. But listen, you deal with it. You deal with it. I had a good career, yeah. so only one bad decision. I'm happy enough for that.
0: Yeah. yeah. I I know Tony Hughes. I went to school with his uh, son Christopher and... Obviously, anybody that lives in the neighborhood knows of him, and I would say a new Patty McCown, but less so. Um, how important were they to, to your development?
1: Patty, Jimmy, and Patty, Jimmy was and there Jimmy, as well. The granddad, um, Patty's dad, but Patty was very common, he never got flustered in the corner. Tony, to degree, was very common as well. But Tony, torn like me when he got older or we're, we're mad in the corner now we go mental in the corner tony's as he got older got more um flamboyant with, with his corner man work but to him a presence in, in the corner tony was an exceptional podman. man See, taking people in the pods he was exceptional he was up there with the best pod men in ireland I, i've been with um mickey hoggins billy Walsh, and Phil Sutcliffe, and Tony's definitely after with him, but he's, uh, he's the best pod, man, and, Aaron, uh, and a great coach. Tony's a good fitness coach as well. Paddy, very common. He's just, very, he installed confidence in you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you remember one time we were going past Arthur Ruddy, doing the post around your area, and Arthur rest in peace as well. He just died recently, and Paddy, he goes to Paddy, um, how is he, where he's going today, he goes, we're on the nine counties. um. I shake myself, no, he always been nervous he got there, and then kind of signs, and he goes, he goes here, how um, how you, you, you get on, Paddy? Paddy goes, we'll get on ground. That, will get on ground. Just give me so much confidence. He goes, we'll get on ground. Just yeah, yeah. Something like that, uh, that sticks to me. i 13 to 10. He just goes, we'll get on ground. That just installed confidence in me. So he's very good at been calm and installing confidence in you.
0: Yeah, I would imagine, I mean, if, if you're around people that are measured and are level-headed, that, that obviously yeah. has to, to feed into the, the rest of yous. Um, was it inevitable that you yourself would go on into boxing coaching? Or how did that happen?
1: I, I, I was sort of, sort of always on the radar, yeah. I sort of wanted, because my dad was always, my dad was involved in boxing from a, a young age and sort of wanted to follow in his footsteps. Or Bay, and it was always in radio because he was always involved with boxing. So when I finished boxing, he was still involved. So I sort of wanted to be still involved with him, and that's the path I've chosen. I love it, absolutely love it. And, I love, uh, you... the love yeah. the
0: Yeah, I see that you've, you've. I think you're the head coach there now, and have been for, for.
1: Well, I wouldn't call myself the head coach. Um, or the so I have, uh, but very influential. And um, me and Tony, Mo and my dad were sort of, and Tommy. We we're sort of about equal as well. I like to say we're equal. Like our madad, Tommy, Tony, are equal. Name with Bernie, Corn, which is very and Helen O'Reilly, and then with a new coach called Brandy and McEvee Barak, all, all on board as well, which helps. definitely helps the matter.
0: And given that it is a newer generation, um, how much of those new things that are available to to modern athletes do you try to? expose young people to like is there an element of sports psychology and uh, are you uh, advising and guiding them on on, on nutrition and recovery rest
1: yeah when they go to the elite Kayla's only 12 Yeah, she's in the the Irish team so so she'd be exposed to all that but my main thing is that I expose them to is meditation we meditate every night for two minutes on the floor the whole whole squad and uh, they close their eyes they're sitting on a beach they're listening to the sound of the waves. The sun's beating down on them, and they've a feather on their nose. They've a feather on their nose, so they have, and they have to breathe slowly so a feather doesn't move over their nose. So they do it for three minutes every night. That's to have them relax in the changing room when okay. changing okay. things, so. I'll I'll
0: not I'll ask you one more question if I could. Um, what What's the the best performance? And I might not necessarily be the most obvious one, but one that perhaps you had to dig deep. You maybe you, you thought you were down in the on the scorecards. So you had to dig deep and ultimately come out victorious. What what for you was the your best performance?
1: Boy, one, was was eleven year old middle star final, coal island against a boy called Aidan McIntomney. Fuck the him. <laughs> <laughs> he we sparred him previously Lealdor, and he came right on the coach had everything in line. Aiden. what do you call it, Coach had me do a tee. Your wee boy come out, put the arm out, you're not allowed to do it now, but he actually put the arm out in front of him immediately got there. Just trying to blind me. Yeah, see, the yeah. big, long arm, see there. Yeah. Try to, to blind me and come over to the right hand. I had to dig deep. I had to dig. I won the fight. That was my toughest fight. 11-year-old.
0: Now, it's amazing that that memory stuck with you.
1: Yeah. G- yeah Giv- given everything... That's over 30, 30, 30 <laughs> 36 years ago. He, that, that was my toughest fight. I'd as that was my four, first year of championships.
0: And uh, l- lastly, uh, give, given what you've achieved in boxing, are you ultimately content with everything, or do, how does regret sit with you, or do you have them?
1: No, I just wish I had the OCD. Okay, if I had the OCD, I uh, not that I would have done better, I would have enjoyed boxing better would have mentally the OCD sort of ruined my boxing, not ruined it, but it uh, didn't make it as enjoyable as it was. After 15, I loved, but after 14, I loved boxing. And then it just wasn't as enjoyable after that, but I've no regrets. No, no. But that, I just would have wished that if the OCD had the there, I would have enjoyed boxing that wee bit better.
0: I noticed um just, and I suppose it's a point of recognition and something that you richly deserve. I had seen just searching online that you were recognised um for your contribution to, to local boxing. Um, I'm not sure if it
1: was... Um, the AAB Give me a services sport award, yeah. Yeah, it was in 2019. Yeah, that was, that was, that was my mantis my for the AAB to recognise me, which was a big, proud moment in my life. I'm very appreciative of it.
0: Yeah, I think, lastly, it's it's one thing to have been involved in boxing as a competitor for so long, but then to to continue that journey I'd as a recognize. coach... Yeah. Yeah. And to give back, I think it's only fair that you, you did get recognition. It's
1: richly deserved. Yeah, yeah um, it's very appreciative. Yeah. I appreciate I appreciate this interview.
0: No, I, I've always wanted to talk to you, and you were one of the first people I wanted to talk to because there are a lot of people in Uri that have done incredible things. I mean, if you look further back, you've Peter McParland that won the FA Cup, yeah. I think, with Aston Villa. And there's obviously newer generations that perhaps don't even know who that man is. Um
1: yeah, I, know what, I mean, yeah,
0: I, yeah. I I remember as a kid playing football for Tommy McLaughlin with uh, St Bridgets, and I think even mm-hmm. before that it was Young Arsenal. But we, we played in Jennings Park for maybe three, four, five years, and to be honest, at that point I didn't even know who Pat Jennings was, you know. Yeah. And yeah, what true. what an incredible shame because given all that he achieved and given where he came from, I think it's only fair. Um, yeah. And you in particular, especially given what you've done for boxing locally, um, is remarkable, and you Thank should be incredibly incredibly proud of that. Adrian, uh, much. listen, I'll not keep you anymore. You've been very gracious with your time. I really enjoyed Thank talking you. to you.
1: Um, listen, take care.
0: No worries, lad. Um, Thank you.
1: Hope, if you're back on you, you catch-up for a coffee.
0: No worries. Thank you, Adrian.